Welcome to the Sunday Chance Politics Weekly, where we unpack the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma. We'll start our chat this week by shining the spotlight on one of the most important institutions of our democracy, the Independent Electoral Commission. That is because the commission has been subject of controversy because of its handling of preparations for the forthcoming municipal elections. Also in this episode of Politics Weekly, we will try to understand the implications of the medical parole given to the former president, Jacob Zuma, which frees him from jail to serve the rest of his term at home. Let's welcome now, I guess, this week, Ibrahim Fakir, who's an electoral analyst based at the OL Socioeconomic Research Institute, as well as Bonga Gwangshitoba, who is the Sunday Times politics editor. This econ is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank loot? The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shit. Arms, can you please come in? Hey, let's start with you, Shoba. What's the temperature inside the ANC after what seems like the makings of the worst electoral disaster for the party? Thank you, Mike, for having me uh, once again in your show. Yeah. It, it is the one of the worst uh, uh, disasters uh, to have hit the ANC. Um, there have been instances where pa- parties have failed to register their candidate, but it has not been at this extent. So there's there's a lot of finger pointing within the ANC like, about what went wrong. We had uh, 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 the, the, the acting secretary general or, or or the deputy secretary general of the ANC. Uh, uh, giving a brief description of, of what they think might have happened. She was talking about uh, uh, people changing names over and over again and, and, and which might have delayed the process. But this is what we know, Pramik, because the, 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 the list selection process within the ANC is very much contested um, because it, 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 it's one of the, it's one of the, 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 the tools that uh, uh, regional or local leaders use to to actually spread spread patronage, and um, they, they 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 want to make sure every time that their people um, are selected for this position. So that's why it's it 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 it, it, it it's such a, a hot issue within the ANC. So that's what the ANC was trying to prevent when 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 it came up with this process of trying to centralize the list selection process. But it seemed as if it backfired because um, um, there were instances, as we know now. Uh, where uh, there were influential leaders who tried to influence it. There were there were instances where people chopped and changed names. There were instances where people gave wrong ID numbers, and for what reason one will never know. So yeah, it, it's a it, it's it's an issue that has caused a lot of um, of uh, of contestation within the ANC and, and ignited the heated debate also within the NEC as well as we know. Do you think that this this may have implications for uh, Cyril Ramaphosa as president, or maybe or not. Yeah, it depends on in which side you're coming from. Um, his opponents are already saying this has never happened uh, during President Jacob Zuma's time. But as we know, the president has nothing to do with uh, with uh, registering uh, candidates. Um, the, 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 that is the work that is left to to the admins to the administrative people, such as your regional secretaries or provincial secretaries and, and then the office of the secretary general. Uh, but it happens under his watch. So he can't escape um, accountability there. But um, uh, so you can expect people to say, 
um, um, it happened under him and, and he must take the blame. Um, but as we know it, uh, as the president of the country or president of the ANC is very much removed from that process, uh, um, uh, except for instances when they are briefed as the, as the national office bearers of the ANC about what, what is happening, what are the problems, what are the challenges, then maybe it's what leadership he gives when those challenges are brought before him. Mm. In fact, they, 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 cryptically, because this has now turned at, at another level to, to be so technical that, you know, the, the average uh, citizen might, might get confused as to what, what the whole argument is about, because they are, on the face of it, this is just a simple matter of uh, having candidates on a, on a ballot form and the citizens going and voting. It, it seems very straightforward. Um, now, what, cryptically, what, what would you say is the nature of the dispute between the IEC and 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 and, and, and opposition parties like the DA? Because now they are wanting to take up, a, you know, to to challenge the decision of the IEC in terms of reopening a, the, the nomination of candidates. The IEC would have been in a bit of a pickle, irrespective of what kind of decision they made. So they decided to reopen the process of registration for voters and along with it decided that they should open for registration and and nomination of candidates, which was incidentally closed in terms of the previous timetable. Now, all of this would have been water under the bridge had the Constitutional Court agreed and assented to the idea that there ought to be a postponement for the election. As it turned out, it hasn't, so it opens up this whole debate. Now, both interpretations of what the court said does have some reasonable resonance. I mean, the one argument suggests that if you open up for voter registration, then, and because the court has said that the initial proclamation of the election is set aside, a new proclamation means that the entire process is reopened and therefore it should follow that the candidate nomination process is also reopened. The flip side of that argument is that the court order is very specific. It says you can contemplate open, I mean, opening up for registration if necessary. So they left even the registration of voters within the discretion of the IEC. The IEC decided, well, to give voters an opportunity, fine, let's open for registration weekend. They didn't have to necessarily open for candidate nomination, but if they didn't, I suspect the ANC would have taken them to court. Now that they have, the DA is taking them to court. Now, when the court order was released, and there's no judgment, so it's hard to determine what the rationality and the reasoning of the, of the, of the constitutional court was, because if we could, we could infer or we could deduct from what its reasoning is, what it is trying to say about, about the voter registration and more importantly about candidate nomination, right? But because we don't have that reasoning, we don't know. So we speculate. And I think it was a bit of an administrative and will be a bit of an administrative nightmare for the IEC. Um, and let's see what the court is now going to say with the DA's challenge. But the nature of the dispute is about whether you, you're open for candidate nomination or not. And the initial inability of the ANC to contain its own internal fractions and fractions about how it determines who's on the candidate list or not is not is not the rest of the society's problems. It's not the problem of the other parties. It's not a problem of the IEC. It's the ANC's problem. Uh, every other party was subject to the same timelines. Now, 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 you, you, you are saying in Pipran that uh, this is the ANC's problem, it's, it's, and no one else's. And another person might say, perhaps we would not even gotten to this stage uh, if it had not been for for the complications brought about by 
the COVID pandemic, uh, because initially that, that's where the, the whole uh, consideration started, whether the elections should go ahead or not, etc. Would, would that be a, a valid reading of the thing to say yes? There were, there were complications in the ANC itself and, and failures, uh, but, but also uh, the other layer is that we, we, we're trying to hold an election under conditions of a pandemic. But the conditions of the pandemic don't affect the ANC only. It affects everyone in society, including other political parties. And more importantly, forget the parties, it, it affects voters more importantly. Now, you could make the argument, Mike, that Look, maybe the IEC was late in uh, approaching the court, but also late in appointing uh, former uh, Deputy Chief Justice Moseneke's commission um, of inquiry about whether they should have a free and fair election. So you can you can perhaps quibble about that. But my reading is that, look, even the IEC didn't know anything about whether there would be a reasonable rollout of vaccine I mean, until a month ago, we didn't know whether anyone over 18 would be able to get a vaccine. We thought it would be limited to people who are 30 to 40 to, to 50 and, and, and older. So at the time at which the IEC realized that the credible vaccine rollout is not going to happen, it was pretty late in the day. It's not their fault. Ideally, Parliament ought to have paid a, and turned its mind to this. But Parliament, fractures as it is, with the parties being completely distracted and preoccupied with their own internal issues rather than issues of state and issues of of the public, they didn't pay any mind to this. Uh, And so the the blame squarely, partly may be lying at the IEC, but squarely should lie to Parliament and the parties in Parliament. And then they could have taken a resolution, had a debate, approached the minister and the minister, and then together go and approach the IEC, and then all together as a collective go and approach the court. Second, I think the IEC also, and this is perhaps their mistake, chose the wrong argument in court, because I don't think they premised their argument on saying the impossibility of holding an election. I think the argument was not about the impossibility because clearly Zambia had one, the US had one last year, many other countries, Uganda had one, had had elections over the period of the pandemic. So the argument is not whether you can have free and fair elections. You can, but it comes at a considerable cost. And that cost is potential likelihood of spread, potential new variants, uh, overwhelming the health system. So there's all those issues. And I think they ought to have chose the argument of necessity to say, it's not impossible, but we think it's necessary in order to preserve life, to preserve the health system and not to overwhelm it and so on. Um, so, so, so that would be my take. Flowing out of the, the controversy, there, there is the issue of the of the reputation of the IEC, which some politicians seem to, you know, to be wanted to put in, in, into question. For example, uh, the DA's federal chair, uh, Helen Sile, implied that the IEC was trying to act uh, with inside information of the constitutional court and in favor of the ANC. When you look at the reputation of the IEC right now, how much damage do you think this whole uh, controversy has caused to it? But like, as um, Ibrahim said, that um, either way, the, the IEC was going to be challenged, um, even if they had um, they had uh, uh, decided not to reopen the the candidate list, the registration. Um, the ANC would have would have taken legal action. 
but what 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 I find interesting, Mike, is the the explanation from the IEC as as into how they reached this point. It, it's very much unconvincing um, uh, to me as um, as, as a layman. I'm, I'm not a legal person, and and, and when, when they talk about why they chose to open the whole process and 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 maybe not uh, uh, allow for those people who are going to change their details people who are affected or who are going to be moving from one ward to another or one spot to another allow those people then to be able to to register and 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 the reasoning that they give to to to, to that to say um no, they 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 empowered to 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 change the whole timetable. I think it's the one that opens them to criticism, and 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 it is the one that opens um, the IEC to being accused of of, of bias, and and which ultimately um, affect its credibility. But I don't think we are there, Pramike. I think um, the, the 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 people, the, the opposition. Uh, especially the DA and especially its leader Helen Zile has 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 been too harsh on the IEC. Um, there, there has not been an instant where we think that the IEC the IEC uh, is biased um, uh, towards a particular party. I don't think we have reached that point, but I think this decision raises questions, um, and 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 it's very unfortunate that um, such questions are raised just before such an important election. But I don't think we are there with the point where the, the credibility of the IEC now gets questioned and now we need, um, we start not trusting the IEC as, as citizens. I, I think we are not there, but I think that their decision opens up, them, opens the, the IEC to, to, to a lot of, um, it, it opens a lot of suspicion and, 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 and and yeah, um, I think that's where we are. Um, uh, but uh, we're not at that point where the credibility of the IEC is, 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 is now in tatters. Yeah, Ibrahim, uh, what, what, what is your 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 reading? So should we should should we care actually about the reputation of the IEC? Absolutely, it's vital. I mean, the IEC used to rank in public perception surveys, and I'm not talking about the ones done by marketing and other companies. I'm talking about the credible ones done by the Institute for Justice and Reconciliation or the Human Sciences Research Council and so on, because their methodologies are fairly sound. But their and their surveys have always shown that along with the courts, the IEC enjoyed high levels of public trust and high levels of public confidence. I'm afraid the um, last Institute for Justice and Reconciliation barometer survey showing that the IEC's reputation in a short five years has plummeted. And so the public perception is not very good and we should worry about it, not just because it was it was high, but because it is a central cog in administering and managing free and fair elections. More importantly, because it is the facilitator of the process by which we legitimate people to exercise power and authority on our behalf. So they at the heart of this thing, you know, they rank along and should rank along with the courts, but they don't anymore. Now, not all of it is of their own fault. I think the last little while has shown that some of the decisions they make made have been fairly rash. I think some of it unconvincing, as Sibonga Konga says, but a lot of it has come about because of the unnecessary assault on the reputation of the IECD. And we must all be very careful and not give in to what the politicians say. It's not just the DA who uh, and Helen Zeller who's been rubbishing the IAC. Uh, who's, she's been doing it of late. But remember the ANC, even its senior leaders in the last election told one of the commissioners 
and I'm quoting verbatim here, you are part of the enemy. Now, in a democracy, you don't have enemies. You have competitors. But they branded an independent institution who did nothing wrong at that stage, by the way, as part of the enemy. Other political parties blame the IEC because they don't have enough funding. They don't have access to broadcast airtime. But that's not the fault of the IEC. The funding formula, whether public and now private, and now with the Private Funding Act and disclosure requirements, that's regulation which is made by parliament. That's a law made by parliament. IEC is nothing to do with it. IEC also doesn't announce the election date. That has to be proclaimed by the minister and announced by the president. Um, the funding of the, the access to broadcast airtime is determined by ICASA, all sorts of regulatory questions which are determined in parliament. So they've consistently blamed the IEC for this. Then you get other parties who say, no, look at the IEC. They hire all these people and they unionize. Well, where else do you find 250,000 people to run an election who have no absolutely no political inclination whatsoever? So all of these spurious allegations which opposition parties have made, including the ANC, by the way, not just the opposition, who spuriously always blame the IEC is now coming back to haunt society. And you look across the continent at every instance of intractable conflict. The spark has always been emerging from some electoral contest in which the blame is focused on the election manager. Now, our IEC is appointed in a very robust and independent way. Our IEC is not necessarily made up of formal representatives from different political parties, as they might be on the rest of the continent. So there, the spark for conflict is much easier. You can blame and say, so-and-so commissioner, so-and-so comes from party X, Y, and Z, and therefore pushing that agenda. People are now saying that about our IEC. And I think we should try to protect the reputation of the IEC criticize them where relevant, where they made the mistakes and, and they have made many. Criticize them when there are when they are things that they get wrong, but don't unnecessarily criticize them as they have been. Lastly, we all need to get better at understanding the very robust and comprehensive architecture for the regulation of elections and the oversight of elections. And multi-party liaison committees, conflict management panels, the electoral court, party agents for that matter, Signing off on electoral slips uh, at the end of the process when when the result is tabulated per voting station, those are all safeguards built into the system. So we all need to get better, especially in the media, at understanding the processes and the procedures by which the IEC work and what the safeguards of the regulatory architecture and oversight mechanisms are. No, I want to yeah, Ibrahim says we all have to get our act together. Now, let's ask about the other people, you know, if they can get their, their together, the ANC. I mean, they've contested elections so many times. You'd expect that by now, their electoral administration would be uh, running like a well-oiled machine. Do you think that they are capable of, uh, of uh, getting rid of the chaos, the administrative chaos, or is it too far gone? They have another bite, Pramike, um, and it remains to be seen. So Jesse Duarte has given um, ANC structures until Saturday to actually fix the mess. And um, so there, there's going to be a lot of, um, of, 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 of branch meetings and, 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 and committee meetings to, to again try and, 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 and elect the right people. It remains to be seen if they can do it, Pramike. Um, uh, I think uh, maybe the reason why 
they 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 failed to to meet their deadlines was that they were dealing with a large number of of of, of such um uh, uh, processes like um, branch meetings and committee meetings and then reports coming into to the house but now if if they they say they're giving 24 hours um, now they are dealing with the with, with the smaller number and i think they, they they will have enough time to to resolve whatever conflict um was there um because now jesus Duarte has given us an instruction to regional um uh secretaries and, and, and the provincial secretaries to be in charge of the process and make sure that it happens and if anything goes wrong then now she has people to blame and, and, and the party has people to blame and then, then there's someone who's going to take the flag and um uh, Depending on the outcome of these meetings and and and, and whether everyone agrees, I, I think they they have enough time to to get their act together. Uh, but it's the NC. You never know what's going to happen. You might find uh, people throwing chairs at each other in these meetings, and you end up not having any outcome. So it remains to be seen. Let's let, let's let, let's wait and see until Saturday. Okay, gentlemen. Thank you very much. I think we'll stop it there. Uh, this is an an unfolding. A uh, running story which we will continue to keep uh, our eyes on. Sports Radio. Who can hit that? Oh, spectacular goal by Yuri Tillemans. Official broadcaster of the English Premier League commentary. Go to sportsradio.co.za. Show support for your favourite team, match of the day, or any game you'd like to follow. Plus up to two hours of great sports audio a day. T's and C's apply. Now for the big story of the week, the granting of medical parole to the convicted former president, Jacob Zuma, which has also led to predictable controversy. We joined for that conversation now by a political analyst, Professor Tinyuko Maduleke from the University of Pretoria. With us uh, still is uh, Smongabonke Shoba, who is the Sunday Times politics editor. What, what is likely to be the political impact of Jacob Zuma being granted parole, especially among his followers in KZN? How will they read it? Uh, right, oh, his, his followers in KZN are celebrating. Um, the, 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 the provincial secretary of Kwazulu Natal has already said that um, this leaves a, a lot of uh, weight that was on their shoulders because um, had it not happened, they would have uh, been asked difficult questions by um, by some of their voters who, who love Zuma so much um, that they would want to question them about uh, his incarceration when they go to to campaign for votes. Uh, so it, 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 it's very much welcomed uh, in, in, in that part of the of, uh, of the country. But uh, Mike, it, 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 it has serious um, Consequences for the for the state and um, and, and the credibility of the state and and and, and whether uh, we are all equal before the law and whether all processes are followed, especially following the revelation uh, last night by um, <clears throat> by the national commissioner of correctional services, uh, Mr. Arthur Fraser, um, who told the SABC that um, the the parole board um, had actually. Um, Decided against Rizuzuma on uh, on medical parole, and 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 that it was the head of the centre where Zuma was supposed to be incarcerated, who actually re- uh, recommended that he be released. And Arthur Fraser had to uh, rescind that decision of the parole board, and and he took responsibility for having released Zuma, saying that the law allows him to do that. And uh, Ramaiku, you, you can think of so many, um, you can think of how many people are languishing in prison. And uh, and are having terminal illness and and they are applying again and again and uh, 
not all of them is uh, friends in high places like Jacob Zuma. So that, that's the, 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 the political implication of it, is that um, it, it, it says that the, even though there's this commitment from, from President Cyril uh, Ramaphosa to, to clean up the state, uh, clean up his party, uh, but such things still happen under him. And, and, and uh, when he closed, he was delivering the closing address, at the at the Lekhotla of, of his party, the African National Congress, he, he he said that the party welcomes the release of President Zuma. And 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 now we think, how much did you know of it? Um, did Fraser inform the president? Uh, did Fraser inform the Minister of Justice? And were they all part of this decision? That is now seem to be very much controversial. Uh, Professor Malulege, do you read the situation in the same way? Yeah, more or less I do. Um, I think that. Look, to begin with, we, we, we expected this almost from day one when President Zuma was uh, incarcerated. People started speculating about when will he get his medical parole? Uh, because at the back of everyone's mind, there was the Shabir Sheikh case. So we've been here before. This movie has been seen before. And so South Africans were correct to expect that um, it would proceed this way. Although the detail uh, that has since emerged uh, is somewhat different in that um, there was no, apparently no medical parole board, which uh, on the basis of which uh, former President Zuma has been released. Uh, he has been released rather on the strength of the recommendation of, uh, of Fraser, who is in charge of prisons. And Fraser has the, temerity even to say that uh, it was his decision and his alone, and that, uh, in fact, the board might not have agreed with him on this. So this is, is quite astounding, uh, much more astounding than South Africans might have uh, expected. But be that as it may, whatever the details are, I would expect that the Minister of Justice and the President, one way or the other, should have known about this uh, before it happened. Uh, whether they knew about it and agreed or knew about it and didn't agree but had no power is what I don't know. But I don't see how the Minister of Justice, Ronald Lamola, was completely in the dark uh, as far as this is concerned. And my question is, what did he know? What did he do about it? What did the president know and what did he do about it? The, 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 just to backtrack a bit, uh, the former president, uh, Jacob Zuma, seems to be, I mean, he left office uh, quite a while ago now, but he seems to remain a factor in our politics. Why is that? One would have expected that at his age, given the allegations that have been made against him and the State Capture Commission, uh, the, the charges that are still awaiting him, that, that his, his, his reputation would have suffered or that he, his influence at least would have would, would have waned. Why has he remained a, a viable uh, political factor? Well, former presidents uh, have, by definition, uh, you know, political overdraft, which they can use way beyond their terms of office, just by by virtue of being former presidents. And you could say the same of President Mbeki is not completely without influence, even though he's no longer president of the country for some time now. So that's that's the easy answer. But the more complicated answer is that 
Jacob Zuma has been probably one of the most powerful uh, ANC leaders since Nelson Mandela. His influence has been way more than the ordinary and the usual. And uh, for that reason, he continues to loom large. I mean, I don't know if you had uh, that leaked recording of the top six of the ANC meeting with him. Uh, whether it was an authentic uh, recording or not, we don't know, but the voices sounded familiar. You will, you will realize just how powerful he continues to be. He was basically talking down at them. And each one of them was almost apologetic in their responses to him. So he, he has been a, a very, very co a colossal figure in ANC politics uh, in recent years. And it seems to me that he continues to be that, especially in KZN. When you look at the, the, the situation now, you know, post the, the, the granting of, of, of parole, of the, this controversial uh, decision, um, would you say that we, the country is, is better off with him serving time inside or outside prison? Ramayit, I, I was shocked that he even went to prison. Um, I, th I think that, that that's an important point. I, I was shocked that he even went to prison. I expected him to, to, to use um, um, his, um, his friends in high places to, to keep on avoiding the situation. And, 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 and uh, it felt caught up with him. To a point where he couldn't run anymore. Um, but I, I think uh, we have achieved. Uh, I think what the crucial court wanted to achieve. Uh, I think it has been achieved um, uh, to show and send out a message that no one is uh, is above the law. I think it was important uh, for that message to be sent out, and I, I think it was important that uh, he went to 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 prison or get, uh, got whatever sentence that was meted to him and, and served it. Um, the, the the fact that he is out now, it's 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 good for the country because there's going to be that level of um of 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 uh, stability, uh, if I may use that word, and and that they are not the the prospect of us um having uh diehard supporters of, of of President Zuma running amok and 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 disrupting peace in the country is now limited. Um. And 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 that that is the positive we can we can get out of it. And but but um, what, what we needed to achieve as a country to send that message out, um, even if he had slept a day in that prison, um, the message had already gone out that we are all equal before the law. Because Pramik, as part of why Zuma remained so important, so so influential in our politics, as 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 the prof was saying, is also because he had spread enough patronage to to to, to so many people. And most of those people, Bramaik, the reason why they they um they were fighting so much for him is not because they love him so much, but it's because they they are implicated in whatever he was doing. And and those are the people who wanted him not to go to prison so that there is a precedent that is set that um uh if you can do so much wrong and you can't go to prison. And they were going to use that uh, to protect themselves and, and and to continue doing whatever they are doing. And 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 for Zuma to go to prison, it sent out a very good message to say that no one is above the law. And if you are on the wrong side of the law, uh, you'll get punished. And and yet, Prof Manulege, uh, just just to close off, uh this would not mark uh, this would not be the the the, the final way. In terms of what happens with uh, with Jacob Zuma, because he's got quite a number of charges that he's facing still uh, in relation to the arms deal, might we not face the same problem 
as a consequence of that forthcoming trial, if it does go ahead? Yeah, certainly. I mean, so the, the trial continues. Um, if he is found guilty and is sentenced, it depends on the nature of the sentence. He might he might still have to go to jail. Uh, and But the fact that we have sent him to jail uh, once uh, obviously means that we can send him to jail again uh, if necessary. I I am not quite happy with the situation where we even want to think that, um, you know, it is a security risk to imprison anyone uh, who has done wrong, should the courts find that that person has done wrong. I don't think we should even go there and, and, and worry about uh, it being a security risk. I think that it's important that the law uh, takes its course uh, right now, just like it did in the in the previous case, and and that the law is followed uh, to to the to the letter. And I hope that his parole release is also absolutely lawful. Uh, and it is possible that it is absolutely lawful. But should it not be lawful, my fear is that someone somewhere may challenge it, and sooner or later we will have we will we will know the truth. So the important thing is that the law is upheld all the time. And if uh, prison is the way to go, it should go. And if parole is possible, either on the basis of uh, time done or on the basis of medical reasons for which we don't really need to know the details, so be it. Uh, but I, I don't think we should, we should sit here and worry and speculate as to how safe shall we be if he goes back to prison. I mean, the question is, why should he not go to prison if he is sentenced uh, to go back to prison? Okay. Gentlemen, that's all we have time for on the Sunday Times Politics Weekly for this week. And I'd like to thank you very much for joining us for our conversation. Uh, our guests, uh, electoral analyst Ibrahim Fakir, uh, who's the Sunday Times Politics editor, as well, of course, as uh, Professor Dinuko Maluleke, who is a political analyst from the University of I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. And by the way, you can find a podcast of this conversation on iona.fm, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to source your podcasts. Until next time, we still say stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places.